Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proud to be sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. Vet bills can be expensive, and the Trupanion policy can help cover the cost of unexpected accidents or illnesses, easing the financial burden by taking cost out of the equation when your pet is sick or injured. Additionally, Trupanion has the ability to pay the vet directly at checkout, so you pay less out of pocket. If you're a breeder, you can also send your litters home with the same great coverage with their breeder support program. You can learn more following the link on the website, puredogtalk.com. And don't forget to mention, Pure Dog Talk sent you. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am always happy to talk to my friend, Dr. Marty Greer, who is our veterinary voice here at Pure Dog Talk. And I have more fun with Marty than almost anybody. Uh, so welcome, Marty. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here too. And we're going to talk about demodex, which is demodectic mange, which is a type of mite. And there's lots of different things that go with this. And this was actually a listener request who had an Australian shepherd. And since the treatment for some types of demodex is Ivamec, this was a concern. So I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what you have to say on this. And what do we start with? Oh, well, gosh, we can start with the history of demodex, which used to be very serious. When a dog was diagnosed with demodex back in the day, it was sometimes a death sentence. So Mm. it was quite serious. I remember seeing dogs die of demodex when I first got out of veterinary school. Yes. Yeah. I Mm. saw a dog that died from demodex when I was working in California in 1980. Back in the old days when you used to have to ride a bicycle to run the electricity to run the x-ray machine. Yes. When that David Crockett was, was. Yeah. yeah, got it. <laughs> exactly. So I remember a little dachshund. We put him on Levamisol because that was a dewormer that we thought would help his immune system. And in reality, that even wasn't enough. So mm-hmm. over the years, we've seen a huge change in the medications that we have as an option to treat Demodex with. And it is no longer the scary, awful death sentence that it once was. But I still think we need to talk about Demodex as far as clinical signs and what that means for a breeding program and what it means for your dog's health. So there's still quite a bit of information here that we absolutely. So I think we could start with the kind of baby puppy Demodex that you see where they have a little bit of hair loss, maybe underneath their eyes, where I have seen it often triggered Mm -hmm. by, I understand stress. Is that accurate? Or talk to me a little bit about that. Well, there's probably a component of stress that goes with it. We know that it is an immune-mediated disease. So we believe it's a B-cell deficiency that the immune system doesn't have actively functioning or well enough functioning B-cells in some of these patients because every single dog at birth is exposed to demodex. So as it passes through the birth canal or if it comes out through a C-section incision, as soon as it starts to nurse and it's exposed to its mother's skin, they're exposed to demodex. Demodectic mites just live on our skin, on the dog's skin. It's just a thing. It's a thing. It's part of the normal flora in very small numbers. But our immune system typically keeps it under control. And if your immune system isn't doing what it should be doing, 
then that's when the numbers of mites increase to the point that you have lesions. And there's basically two categories of demodex. There's localized demodex and generalized demodex. So localized is exactly what you described, the baby puppy with a little hair loss under their eye, maybe a couple of patches someplace on their leg or their trunk, just a little patch of hair loss. It's not itchy. It's not uncomfortable. It doesn't look angry. It's just this little patch that you don't see hair frequently around the eyes, but not exclusively there. And a lot of people come in and they're like, oh yeah, well, he's just been fighting with his brother. It's no big deal. And you do a skin scraping and you find 30 demodex. Well, guess what? You have demodex. You don't just have a puppy fighting with its brother. So the first thing we always want to do when we see a skin lesion on a young dog is to do a skin scraping. We shouldn't be so cavalier that we just start them on Brevecto or some other medication and say, well, don't worry about it. We'll just get rid of it. I think it's important that you have a diagnosis, especially if you have a breeding program and you need to know whether you have demodex in your line. So I think we shouldn't blow off doing skin scrapings. And demodex show up pretty readily on a skin scraping. There's a number of different kinds of mites that we can see in dogs and cats. And demodex is one of the easiest ones to find on a skin scraping. So it's actually kind of exciting when you're a veterinarian or a veterinary professional because you like find the mite under the microscope and you're like, oh, everybody needs to come like this. It's really cool. It's not really cool if it's your dog. Right. It's really cool if you're the veterinary professional. Right. Because it's really cool. Because looking in the microscope, seeing nothing is boring. So it's cool to see something interesting. So that's the first thing we need to realize is that they're pretty easy to find. If they're there in enough numbers to find them on a skin scraping, you have demodex, period. So in baby puppies, here's my question. I have seen it resolve as the puppy grows, mm-hmm. as its immune system gets stronger. Right. And that's really common in the localized form of demodex. But then there's generalized demodex. And when my daughter was about three, we had a little pug that came to the practice. My kids used to go to work with me every day. I had a daycare babysitter upstairs that took care of my technician children and my children. And so it was great. But she came peeling down the stairs one day into the main part of the clinic. And there was this adorable little black pug standing in the middle of the treatment area. And Katie was about three years old, my daughter. And she stopped dead in her tracks about 10 feet away from the puppy. And her eyes got big and she took three steps backwards and she looked at her and she's like, ooh, because this pug puppy had no hair on the top of her head. Like you could see a little eyeball and a completely bald black pug head. And I said, honey, it's okay. You can touch the puppy because I knew the puppy had demodex. I'd already scraped it. I knew the puppy had demodex and I knew it wasn't contagious to my daughter because human demodex and dog demodex are different demodex. And, you know, she's three and she's looking at me with these big saucer eyes looking at me like, nope, nope, not touching that because I don't know what that is, but that's not the way a pug is supposed to look. So it can be generalized. Even in very young puppies, we can see generalized demodex. And that's the kind that used to kill dogs, not the localized. The localized ones weren't serious, but generalized demodex caused enough hair loss and enough breakdown of the skin barrier that, you know, your skin is a barrier to the rest of the world from all of it invading. And so if enough demodex lived in the skin, then your body was just invaded by other bacteria and other things that happened. And so dogs really literally did die from generalized demodex back in the day. Wow. So fortunately, this little pug came along late enough that we had a good treatment for it. We have better treatments now. But for a while, all we had was a product that was used as a dip and it was an Amitraz dip and it was nasty to use. And You had to use it once a week and bathe the dog, dip the dog, let the dog dry with the dip on it. You couldn't rinse it off. And it was smelly and nasty and it was supposed to be done at the veterinary clinic. And it killed the mites, but it was unpleasant for the dog and unpleasant for the veterinary staff to use. 
So that fortunately, that dip has gone away. And now we have some really new great drugs that can be used to manage both localized and generalized demodex. Although most of the time, localized demodex doesn't require any kind of treatment because like you said, the little puppy's immune system goes, oh, I know what to do with you. And so the immune system kicks in and then everything goes away. So we see this, what we think of then as a juvenile demodex. And the times I've encountered, it hasn't really required a treatment per se. You know, Mm -hmm. you're talking eight or nine weeks, they've just come home or gone home, that sort of a thing. Right. And we used to use Goodwinol on some of these puppies too, which was just this kind of betadine colored brown ointment. And the thought was, it probably doesn't really do much good to do Goodwinol, but you always felt like as a veterinarian that if you didn't treat it for a localized demodex and it became generalized, then the client would point a finger back at you and say, look at you, you screwed up, and now my dog has generalized demodex. So it's really believed that it's not going to progress. And most people don't even notice or don't even scrape anymore for localized demodex. So that's where it all comes down to. But the problem here is that, so generalized demodex can happen in puppies, but it can also happen in adult dogs if they are immunosuppressed, if they've got an immune system disorder, if they've been on too much prednisone or other kinds of cortisone, if their nutrition hasn't been good, if they've been on chemotherapy, if they've recently been in heat, if they have cancer, if they have diabetes. One of my dogs developed it as an adult dog when she was eight. She had a pyometra and a mammary tumor, and she developed demodex in a localized form. It wasn't generalized. But you can see a variety of situations where demodex can go from being something that the immune system is managing to something that it isn't because some other disorder is happening in that dog's physiology. So the important thing here is that we used to pound our fists on the table and say, you absolutely positively cannot breed any dog that ever had demodex or any relatives of the dogs that ever had demodex because you may produce puppies with generalized demodex. So that's been the problem is that veterinarians have been preaching this and teaching this. But what's really interesting is that what I was reading when I was getting this ready, and I actually am going to give you the link so that you can share this, is that there's no indication that generalized demodex has a genetic component to it, but there is an indication that localized demodex does, according to the CAPSIVET website. And that's really the opposite of what you'd think. It's counterintuitive. Right. So I want to say again that localized demodex, it appears, has a genetic component. We see it really commonly in dogs like the Chinese Sharpei, but we see no indication. There's no good research that shows generalized demodex is genetic. And that doesn't make sense because That's completely the opposite of what we've been telling clients and what we've been taught from veterinary school. So I don't have a good answer on what to do with that right now, other than to say, because we have such good treatments now, people don't take generalized demodex or localized demodex nearly as seriously as we did back in the day when we still saw dogs that would die from this disease. Okay, so question for you. And I'm sure you and I have had a conversation about my favorite stump speech, which is that autoimmune diseases in people and in dogs, what is heritable is the body's propensity to attack itself, right? not the specific disease. So autoimmune thyroiditis, what have you. And as you're talking about this, it's very, very interesting to me because I have in my own breeding program battled with autoimmune thyroiditis, particularly in early litters. I have pretty well now been able to manage it such that it's gone away. And as I sit here thinking about it, I haven't seen a juvenile demodex in 10, 15 years 
which corresponds to the amount of time that I've been able to essentially weed out the dogs from my breeding program that had problems with autoimmune thyroiditis. So this makes me once again, feel even stronger about my stump speech, that these autoimmune disorders go together. There's just like a whole thing, not a specific disease, basically. Right. And you can have an immune response to anything. I mean, that's what lupus is. That's what rheumatoid right. arthritis right. is. Right. You know, so there's a lot of different immune mediated diseases. There's sterile meningitis. I mean, I can just go down the list and autoimmune hemolytic anemia and right. immune mediated thrombocytopenias. You know, there's just a huge array of immune mediated diseases. And I think you're right. I think that may not just be one tissue type or one situation or one organ system that's involved. So they probably do travel in families for your immune system went awry and it can manifest in different ways. So that's exactly right, is it's confusing and difficult. Interesting. It makes being a breeder and making breeding decisions really difficult. So much more entertaining, yes. (laughs) Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you could call it that. Yeah, you could. I was being facetious. Okay, so when we see the adult onset demodex, which you described, whether it's localized or generalized, I had experience with it with an ex-husband's dog. It was a wire hair pointer. It was not my breeding. And he had horrid on his feet, his one whole foot, like from the toes to above the pastern frog thing, just raw grossness. And that dog was treated with enormous, enormous amounts of ivamectin. Is that standard or is there now something better? That was the thing we did for a long time because, like I said, we had the dip for a while. Mm-hmm. And ivermectin in huge doses given on a daily basis, which are way, way, way above what you would use for any kind of heartworm preventive, were the treatment of choice for a long time because either the dip was unavailable or the dip was difficult to use. But now we have this whole new category of the oral flea and tick medications, the Brevectos, the next guards, the Credelios, and the Simpericas. So those are the four that we currently have on the market in the United States. And those have been shown to be safe and effective. They are not labeled. So if you read the package label, it's not going to say you can use this to get rid of Demodex mites. But it's generally considered to be a very acceptable, very safe, and very effective treatment for dogs with Demodex because it is just a really great treatment. Typically, you just give one dose according to the label, just a regular dose. And then you've got good control over the mites. So it's it's actually really cool. And like I said, it's made us a little bit lazy because it's easier to say, well, here, just take this Brevecto and take it home and don't worry about it. It'll get rid of it if it is Demodex. And Brevecto, by the way, of the four, Cordelio, Semperica, and now there's a new one, Semperica Trio, which includes heartworm medication. So between NextGuard, Cordelio, Semperica, and Brevecto, the only one of those that's labeled for use in dogs in a breeding program is Brevecto. Brevecto. So I want to be really clear about that. The other three companies either haven't tested or haven't shown us the information, mm-hmm. but Brevecto has been shown to be safe in breeding dogs. And I want you to start thinking about breeding dogs when they're baby breeding dogs. Right. It doesn't say when your dog is old enough to breed, it's okay to use those. It says breeding dogs. And we don't have any documentation on what those other three drugs do. They may not do anything to a breeding dog, but we don't know. And I would suggest both males and females, you don't want your dog to be the footnote in the paper that says, oh, and by the way, this drug caused this and this and this. So we don't have negative information. We just don't have information. Don't have information. If the label says do not use or not tested, please don't be the one that tested on your dog. 
<laughs> we follow a label that says we know what this is going to do. It's Provecto because we know it's proven safe. And I think that's so important. And sometimes people don't hear that. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. So, hey, crew. New year, new decade. Let's have some new Pure Dog Talk promos while we're at it, shall we? All right. Our patrons group continues to grow and thrive. It's like the NPR of dogdom. It's so cool. And Pure Dog Talk offers you, my loyal listeners, an opportunity to get in on the fun. Pure Dog Talk patrons are invited to join a closed Facebook chat group just for you. And I promise you, no drama mamas, no keyboard warriors, just fabulous, supportive, pure dog talk fans. That's it. Each month, I pick a photo submitted by our patrons group to be the cover image on the Facebook page. You guys have seen it. And anybody with a quick question gets immediate feedback from moi personally, as well as input from the array of patron group members. Pretty fun. The patrons group also gets first dibs on podcast topic suggestions. So if you have something you want to hear about, that's a good way to do it. And to celebrate the new year, I'm adding a whole new technological challenge to my life. Oh my God. I will be hosting Facebook live discussions for patrons only on the final Monday of each month from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific time zone. Y'all join us from wherever you are, but that's when they'll be. Just a few of our planned topics of conversation include advertising on a shoestring budget. (laughs) Yeah, trust me, we can talk about that. Campaigning a special just for runner handlers. Problem solving the stack. Tricks of the trade for grooming like what products do I like or anybody else like, open mic Q&As, all that kind of stuff. What you guys need to know is that the generosity of Pure Dog Talk's patrons is literally what keeps the MP3s running here. The money is set aside exclusively for overhead and operational expenses. That's it. Now, I'm incredibly grateful to our corporate sponsors. You have no idea. They have the dedication to purebred dogs and the resources to ensure that Pure Dog Talk remains a powerful voice for purebred dogs. That you guys, y'all believed in this mission and you've supported it from the beginning. You are the heart and soul of my crusade to provide all purebred dog lovers a constantly growing, challenging treasure trove of knowledge in a 21st century format. Like a So... Just click the Be My Patron on Podbean button on the website. It's quick, it's easy, it's secure. And I hope to see all of you on the next Facebook Live chat. Okay, so that's Demodex. There are other types of mites, right? Sarcoptic mange and other kinds of things. Can you give us just a really brief rundown that says, okay, If it looks like this, it's this one. If it looks like this, it's this other one, and that's worse, and stuff like that. Sure. So Demodex, like I said, is spread to all dogs at the time they're born, so it's not considered to be a contagious disease. Ear mites are considered contagious, and the information on the CAPSI website indicates that 70% of cats 
with ear infections heavier mites than 50% of dogs do. Now that seems really high to me from my personal experience, but ear mites are mites and the same medications that will control a lot of these other mites will control ear mites. And by the way, we should probably also mention that not only does ivermectin work, but milbamycin at a high level dose and moxidectin will also eliminate demodex. So milbamycin is sentinel and interceptor and moxidectin is proheart. So we have other drugs that we can use for a lot of mites. So we have ear mites, which are really common in dogs and cats, but more common in cats. We have scabies mites and scabies are the really tough ones. Scabies are sarcoptic mange or red mange. And that is contagious. That is a mite that spreads from dog to dog or from wildlife to dogs, or it happens at the groomer or at the dog park or any place that dogs are in contact with each other. And those mites are really, really, really hard to find on skin scraping. Demodex, nah, you know, a first-year veterinary student can find a Demodex. Scabies, you can scrape that dog 15 times and you'll swear the dog has scabies because it's got lesions that suggest scabies and you can't find the little buggers and on the 16th time you find it. Mm. Well, again, you know, back in the day, we used to really work and work and work at this. And then for a long time, we were taught, well, if it looks like scabies, treat it as scabies. Don't treat it for an allergy. Don't treat it for food allergy. Just treat it as scabies. Well, scabies causes edges of the ears and the elbows and sometimes the hocks to get these crusty lesions on them. Like the whole ear margin will be crusty, whether the dog has an upright ear or a flop ear and their elbows and they are intensely itchy, like crazy itchy. Like if you take the edge of the ear, this is the scabies test without a skin scraping. You take the edge of the ear and you fold the ear in half and you just rub the two halves of the ear together. And if that dog's back foot starts going thump, 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 you got scabies. So if you thought you had scabies, it walked like a duck, if it quacked like a duck, if it looked like a duck, it was a duck. So we would treat for scabies. And that, again, was high doses of ivermectin. But again, we have some of these other really nice treatments now that are successful. So things like Revolution and some of these other great products on the market will do a super job with scabies. So even though it's contagious, it can be well-managed with a lot of these treatments. Celamectin, which is Revolution, is the only labeled product for scabies, but Cipronil, which is frontline, and then off-label Cordelio, NexGuard, Provecto, and Simperico. Those are all effective against scabies, along with high doses of ivermectin. But the high-dose ivermectin thing is not safe for any of the white-footed herding breeds that may be MDR1 dogs. So we want to stick to the other products like the flea and tick, Provecto, Simperica, Cordelio, and NexGuard, because those are safe in the white-footed MDR herding breeds. In the herding breeds. Okay. Well, that's good for my Australian Shepherd listener who originally brought this topic to us. That's what we need to know. Use Provecto. (laughs) Yes. And I actually had a client that two years in a row came in with scabies on their golden retriever. Mm. And the first year we're like, well, we don't really know where it came from. And the second year they're looking at me like, okay, we don't want to have scabies every year. This was before we had Brevecto and some of these other drugs. And I said, well, tell me what your dog's lifestyle is. Explain to me where he goes. And so we finally figured out that there was a mangy fox that lived just outside the fenced in yard. And I'm like, well, you know, we could probably just treat the mangy fox. And they're like, what? And I said, well, the fox doesn't belong to anybody. So we don't have to ask for consent from an owner to treat. It's not like your neighbor dog that you can't just treat the dog. So I said, so we're going to do this little treat thing and we're going to throw it over the fence. We're going to treat the mangy fox. And the third year they came back, they didn't have mites. So they were pretty excited that we got rid of the mangy fox. I don't know if the fox went away or if the mice went away, but (laughs) 
Or if the treatment killed the fox, whatever it all well, came. Probably not, but he didn't belong to anybody. But the main thing was that we didn't have to shoot the fox to get rid of the mice. So you have to really look at the whole environmental situation when you've got one dog in the house and it's just got this awful scabies infection because scabies is intensely itchy. And I actually had a client that came in one year. They call it red mange because if it doesn't get treated, the dog loses all their hair. And I actually had a hound guy that came in because he's a hound guy. These hound guys are different. He came in and he goes, yeah, I think it's red mange. I said, well, you should probably diagnose it and treat it. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, it was getting to be kind of fall. And so I thought before winter came and he needed some hair to grow back that we should come in. I'm like, oh, man. Okay, so maybe we didn't need to wait until September to get this managed. But, you know, it wasn't important to him until the dog actually needed hair for the winter. So you get all kinds of clients. (laughs) It's a fascinating study in human behavior to be a veterinarian. I hear that for sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So if you see your dog and it's super, super itchy and it's just on the edges of the ears, elbows and hocks, that's going to be the scabies sarcoptic mange. If you see just a little bit of hair loss underneath the eyes, that's probably going to be a demodex or doesn't the adult onset demodex, my understanding was a lot of times was feet around the toes. It can be feet. Yeah. Nail bed feet. Mm. And demodex is hardly ever itchy unless they end up with enough of a secondary bacterial infection that they become itchy from it. But the initial onset, they are not itchy with it. And they're easy to find the demodex mites, hard to find the scabies mites. Excellent. And ear mites are in the ear canal. So we know that. Okay. Right. And then we have Kyletiella. And then there's another one in the cat world. So these are now, I just learned this this week when I was doing some writing, the hair clasping mite, which is Kyletiella, also known as walking dandruff. And those mites live on the surface of the skin, not in the hair follicles like demodex and scabies. So those you can see without a skin scraping. If you're old like me, you need to get a magnifying glass out and a good light. And you can actually see what looks like dandruff walking around on the dog's skin surface because those are actually mites, not dandruff, that are moving. And these are pretty common in groups of dogs, boarding kennels and show kennels and that kind of stuff. Rescue organizations have a lot of these. Again, those are contagious like scabies. And they are really, really itchy dogs too and and very scaly, itchy those little puppies that come in with that real severe scurfy dandruff on them, they came through a breeder, a rescue, you know, commercial breeder, whatever. If it's been with a group of dogs, the Kyletiella mite is very suspect. And again, you know, now it's easy to get rid of because we have great drugs. That's good. So life has changed a lot for us. Better living through pharmaceuticals, I'm telling you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But they're icky, nasty little creatures. And again, the same drugs that work for all the other mites. What are they causing super itchy, but are you seeing lesions or what are you seeing on the dog? No, they don't have patches of hair loss. They don't have scaly patches. It's just generalized scurf, especially mm. over the rump or the back of the dog. And for that diagnosis, you take a piece of scotch tape and stick it to the dog's dandruff and then put the scotch tape on an oil slide under the microscope and you can see the little critters. So again, these are fun to diagnose because veterinarians and their staff get very excited about things that crawl on slides. It's very cool. See, because we're actually on Zoom now instead of Skype, you can see my face going black. <laughs> yeah. And understand there's a reason I did not become a veterinarian. And this is it. Creepy, crawly, gross things and stuff that smells bad. Totally yeah. your job every day. Totally couldn't do any of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if people want to really see what these things look like, if they go to the CAPC Vet website, it's CAPC Vet, C-A-P-C Vet.org. 
they can see photomicrographs and videos and all kinds of very cool, mm -hmm. icky, crawly things. Icky, crawly things. There will be an icky, crawly thing <laughs> link in, <laughs> in the blog post with this podcast. Sorry. Anybody, I will not be looking. I'll just be linking. <laughs> awesome. Oh, you're no oh fun at gosh. all. Oh, gosh. So there's a couple other kinds of mites that we hardly ever see. There's notoredric and there's nasal mites. I have never diagnosed either of those. Demodex, we didn't used to think cats had a demodex, and now we know cats do, so I hate to leave cats completely out of the conversation because they get their own kind of demodex, which is the short, fat little demodex, and they're really quite adorable on the slide. But remember, cats are the ear mite queens and kings of the yes. animal kingdom. The couple times I've ever had cats, they all had ear mites. It's like a thing. It's like cat yeah. mites. Blech. Yeah, and once they've had ear mites, their ears are never normal. They spend mm. the rest of their life with this chronic, low-grade kind of ear infection. Black grossness. So even though you get rid of the mites, it's always icky. And curiosity, because we do have plenty of listeners that have both cats and dogs, the mites, particularly demodex mites between cats and dogs, are different and not communicable between them. Yes? Correct. Okay. Yeah, cats have their own demodex. And like I said, until just a few years ago, we didn't even know cats got demodex. Okay. I mean, it's somebody named it Demodex Gati, but I was like, well, they could have named it after themselves. Isn't that have been cool? <laughs> well, you know, that's where these names all come from. Is Absolutely. From after somebody. So most of the time you can get rid of the mites with just some of these medications. Some of these patients, dogs and cats, will need eardrops for the secondary ear infection mm -hmm. if they have ear mites. They may need an antibiotic or a special shampoo right. to get rid of the uncomfortable itching and the scratching and the scaling and all that other mm -hmm. stuff that goes with the secondary infection. So sometimes an antibiotic is necessary if they have a secondary bacterial infection in the skin. Get a staph um, come in on top of, which is exactly that happened to the dog I had. Exactly. Okay. Then there's lice, which are really rare. Fortunately, those are not at all common in dogs. So I have to always throw that in because every now and then we'll see a dog or cat with lice. But fortunately, those are not common. And again, all these things that we have now to get rid of them very effectively treat them. So life has gotten much, much easier for us to manage these external parasites on dogs right. and cats. So not only do we get rid of the fleas and the ticks, and remember ticks are eight-legged like mites. So yep. tick medications will kill mites because they all have eight legs. They're all in the same family. Got it. And these drugs are super, super safe for dogs. The only reports that we have right now of any concerns are for dogs with a history of being seizure prone or tremors that these oral medications of Brevecto, Cradelio, Nexgard, and Semperica should either not be used or used with great caution in dogs that have a history of seizures. So just be aware of that, that if you have a white-footed herding breed that has mites and seizures, you got trouble. Now that's going to be a bad space. <laughs> yeah, yes. You don't want one of those. No. But otherwise, all these medications are safe and effective and super easy and Revecto is given every 12 weeks. The others are given every four weeks and you just pop a pill down and poof, the mites are gone. Mm. You do have to do two treatments because the mite eggs or the louse eggs hatch right. and you'll have a new right. batch of them that come along. So you don't want to do one treatment. You want to do right. enough to get rid of them. And of course, the recommendation for all flea and tick and heartworm medications are to go year round. Even if you live in climates where mosquitoes or fleas you don't think are year round, we do get better parasite control, both intestinal parasite and external parasite control by using them year round. And in the Northern states or like we're in the upper Midwest, we're mm. in Wisconsin, but if you're in the Northeast in the New England states or in the Wisconsin, Minnesota, that area where Lyme disease is a problem, remember the ticks are worst 
from November to March. And nobody thinks about that. They think that because there's snow on the ground that there aren't going to be ticks. But the ticks hang out, wait for a warm day when it's 40 degrees. Your dog walks past and it looks like this nice juicy meal. So poof, you got ticks. Mm. So please, please, please use your preventives year round. Don't just stop because the winter got cold. You'll get much better parasite control. And I don't know anybody that says, yes, I would really like to have mites and fleas in my house. I think that'd be fun. Nobody thinks that's fun. Nobody I know. No. no. Even the parasitologists don't think that's fun. I'm sitting here itching. You can see me. <laughs> like, got the creepy crawlies. You need a Rebecca. All right. Good. <laughs> that's enough creepy crawly for today. I've had it. Done. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. I sure appreciate you, Marty. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.